0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Blue Wire.
2: Alright, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast and presented by BetOnline.ag and DealDash. Head over to DealDash and use code BIGSCREEN for 100 free bids. More on that in the ad reads. And if you're gambling on baseball, which you should be while well, we've still got a season, head over to BetOnline.ag. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to claim your welcome bonus and then bet that entire welcome bonus on the Twins money line. Series wins over the White Sox, Cardinals, and Indians to start the season. You love to see it, folks. Speaking of baseball, today's episode is one I'm excited about as a baseball fan. Ryan Spader is one of the best personalities on Twitter. He's a baseball analyst, baseball author, and host of the Blue Wire podcast, The Walk Off. When I reached out to him about coming on the pod, though, he hit me with his take on baseball movies, which is that most of them suck. Naturally, had to have him on to defend the take, which I really enjoyed. It was a fun episode. It was great to just talk baseball in general, but kind of See see a perspective on baseball movies that you don't often get on this podcast. We did, you know, we talked some of the characters in Major League, and then I just rapid-fired a bunch of the notable baseball movies, and he gave me the A or nay. And we, you know, we kind of discussed, we went in deep on a couple, couple of them. Uh, your favorite or least favorite movie is probably in this episode, so stay tuned for uh, If Ryan Thinks It Sucks. We also talked some real baseball, which was pretty much just the Hall of Fame travesties of Fred McGriff and Johan Santana. It was just a very well-rounded baseball episode. Make sure you catch Ryan's pod, The Walk-Off, where he talks baseball with Holden Kushner. Their most recent episode covered MLB's new playoff format, which is the exact same format that Ryan proposed on his site almost a year ago, so uh, MLB just just off stealing shit. Uh, Real quick shout-out to JT84, who left the most recent five-star review on Apple Podcast. He titled it, Awesome Podcast, Awesome Host, then went on to say a bunch of very nice things that soothes my fragile ego. You guys have been absolutely killing it with the five-star reviews lately and the ratings. I think we just got over 200 ratings, which is just awesome. Like, very makes me very – I am honored about those five-star ratings. Thank you to everyone who's done that. Uh, I think for that reason, I'm going to do another listener questions episode. You can get a question in over in the Big Screen Sports Facebook group. Uh, I think I've talked enough for this intro. Just make sure you subscribe all that stuff. You guys know the drill, uh, check out the blue wire network and Greg Olson's new pod, which you heard the, uh, heard the drop for when the, the start of this podcast. It's something I'm really interested in, uh, hearing about tight end play, but for now, let's talk some baseball movies with Ryan Spader. All right, my guest on today's episode of Big Screen Sports, he is a baseball analyst, author, and co-host of the Walk Off Fellow Podcast on the Blue Wire Sports Podcast Network, Ryan Spader. Ryan, thanks so much for taking the time to come on Big Screen Sports. I really appreciate you having me on. Excited to talk some uh some baseball movies with you. Of course, I could talk baseball movies and just baseball in general all day. Good to have another fellow baseball guy on the pod. Uh, Before we get into today's kind of unique format episode, uh, tell the folks where they can find the walk-off, what you guys have coming up. I think the best way to find it is
1: just we post every episode on Twitter. We created our own Twitter for the walk-off, and that's just the walk-off pod. Um, And then Holden and I, both of us, pretty active on Twitter, so we're always sharing the content on there. Um, I think most of our downloads come from uh, the iTunes version.
2: And on that podcast, you guys just talking baseball, current news, current events, that kind of the the gist of it for the listeners.
1: So I think Holden and I have a sort of unique show in that um, we kind of approach it from two different dynamics. I forced myself into baseball because I was a baseball fan, could no longer play, wanted to keep baseball a part of my life. And um, it wasn't by way of playing anymore. So I, I found a way in through the numbers and then that kind of evolved from there. Holden is a true radio professional. He's been in radio for 23 years. He used to do local terrestrial shows. And um, so it's a a unique dynamic that the two of us have together. We talk everything from baseball to secondhand stories we got. I've told stories about um, going out to get beers with some guys and some of the nonsense that ensues from
2: there. And Holden, of course, has many of his own stories having uh, been in the business for over 20 years. And plug your book for any baseball fans who might be interested in that as well. I'm just like, let's just go ahead and plug everything. <laughs> so Incredible Baseball Stats is
1: a book of stats that you're not going to find on the back of a baseball card. I wrote it with my good friend, Kevin Reavy. We um, have two volumes of it out, and it's probably something we're going to recreate every couple of years. It it seems to do pretty well. People seem to enjoy it. And uh, that's, I, I just really like it. Um, Putting out content that for people to enjoy stuff that I myself would enjoy and it's it's fun to be in a position where I'm able to share that and share my joy of the game with other people
2: and that's kind of an expansion on your Twitter feed because you're always tweeting out just the the most random baseball facts it's a really uh really interesting feed, but um, Ryan, for this episode, where it's not going to be a typical one uh, on you know on this podcast, I usually cover a, a single baseball movie. But you know, when I reached out to you about coming on the pod, maybe talking a baseball movie, um, you dropped something of a hot take. You think most baseball movies suck, which is uh, <laughs> which is which is pretty unique. Uh, it's a, it's a pretty loaded genre. Um, there are definitely some clunkers. So um, in a bit toward you know we're gonna kind of rapid fire through a list. Um, You know, I'll name the movie. You're going to give me a kind of a gladiator, yay or nay, you know, why it sucks, why it doesn't suck. And I'm going to try to play devil's advocate one way or another. Um, There are some movies I just cannot defend. There are some movies that I just cannot say are bad. So, you know, I want to open with a few questions, though, first and foremost, you know, for you, especially as a guy who does not like baseball movies, what makes a good sports movie?
1: Uh, I think they generally have to be true stories. Like, Rudy is a great sports movie. Um, Remember the Titans. I I think I tend to prefer football movies, which is odd, because I don't really watch much football. Uh, I I don't know what necessarily makes a sports movie a good movie, but I know what doesn't make it a good movie. (laughs) And in the case of baseball, I just think the when you have on field play it's usually pretty bad it's pretty obvious it's just not like being at a baseball game and then there always just seems to be a story that really is the main theme of the movie that i'm just not particularly interested in so often it is i mean uh, i think fever pitch is one of the ones that um you mentioned and that was just about you know it was like a love story with a little baseball tie in and I just wasn't interested in it. Didn't really care for that movie at all.
2: Yeah, Fever Pitch is is something I actually talked about on uh, the the latest episode of this pod I've released at, at recording time uh, with uh, with Brandon Kelly and another fellow Blue Wire host. He he brought up Fever Pitch and I said that Fever Pitch is not a good movie, but it's weirdly like rewatchable, like it's bad but rewatchable. And I mean, it's on MLB network all the time. Um, you mentioned Rudy and Remember the Titans. Is do you have two others that kind of make up your Mount Rushmore of sports movies? Oh, man, I don't
1: know. I just really don't care for sports movies in general. Um, I liked. I think I liked The Invincible when it came, or Invincible when it came out. The movie about um, Vince Papali, but I've really grown out of that. That's that's an older movie. Um, I think sometimes you get pretty good. Boxing movies, and I I default to uh, the Rocky movies, which I always enjoyed as a kid, being a Philly guy. And then um, there's another one that's pretty good that's about the the guy who was actually uh, inspired Rocky, and it was called um, The Bleeder, or it may have had a second name Chuck, and um, that was about the dude who actually uh, was from North Jersey. Rocky, uh, Rocky, Sylvester Stallone had seen him fight before, and he really went on to inspire what became of the Rocky
2: movies. Didn't see a dime, didn't see a dime from it either. (laughs) I think they did a 30 for 30 on that guy, uh, as well. I think it was called the real Rocky, if I, if I remember correctly, but something you touched on a few minutes ago, kind of like being almost taken out of it. If the action isn't good, that's basically like the genesis of this podcast, Um, and you know in a normal episode we talk about what was authentic what wasn't authentic who looked like a good athlete who didn't and if you know especially baseball for me that that also matters a lot you know when a guy looks like freddie prince jr can't throw baseball Um, you know i i'm a big sports fan in general but but baseball i pick that out the most I, i value guys who look like athletes plot points that make sense it's something we have fun with on this pod but before we get into our kind of movie rapid fire getting your opinion on the movies you had a a, an interesting baseball movie related tweet the other day lay out what was your what was the exact wording of your tweet about pedro serrano from major league so pedro serrano is a character that i actually did appreciate and i
1: kind of enjoy the major league movies it's one it's one of the few that I'll watch maybe once every two or three years or something. But Super uh, 70 Sports had a tweet on Pedro Serrano and it said, Pedro Serrano, the greatest slugger of the 80s, uh, do not try to debate me on this. And I commented on that saying, imagine being Pedro Serrano, the president of the United States and the spokesperson for Allstate. Uh, it's very versatile actor that Dennis Haysbert." Uh, I believe I'm saying is Hayes Burt or Hayes is is, uh, is, and he's really made a, a nice career for himself as an actor.
2: He has. He's definitely kind of a, um, he's more than a that guy. He's not, because you, you know him from a few characters. He's also in, uh, he also plays another baseball player in, in Mr. Baseball. But that, that tweet kind of, there's always been this fun exercise I've wanted to do and kind of talk out on this podcast and haven't, haven't gotten to do it yet. But thinking about, Taking, like taking a sports movie or taking any movie in general, it is fun to think about taking another character that actor has played, and plugging them into that movie. Like plug, just basically dropping fish out of water, and doing that. I think Major League is kind of a good one to do just like a test run on this with, um, because there's for me there there's four main people you could plug in a, a good character. Like, um, I, so I'll fully admit I did not 24 was a little before the, like the, the heyday of 24 was a little before when I was watching like good TV. Um, but so Haysbird as president Palmer is not, is not as much on my, on my register. Are you, did you watch, were you a 24 fan? I did.
1: And I got into it long after they were, I, I don't know that I, I. maybe watched one season week to week. Uh, I think I watched them all on box sets, and I recall one time I actually watched an entire season of 24 in a 24-hour period. Uh, I I did really enjoy that series. That's quite, quite the a bit. endurance. Yeah, it was it was a feat, but um, I didn't have to deal with commercials, of course. So I was uh, knocking out 40. I think they were roughly 45 minutes long, and managed to
2: managed to do an entire season in one day. So what kind of, then what kind of baseball player, if you, you plug President Palmer into left field of the, uh, of the major league era Indians, what kind of, what kind of change in the clubhouse is that?
1: Well, you're taking, if you're taking out Pedro Serrano, it's a different, it's an entirely different dynamic. I mean, you're losing the whole Joe Boo and the sacrificing of the chicken and everything that they had to do to uh, make sure that Serrano could hit. And I'm sure... Uh, he could probably hit a baseball a little bit, and there's, I, I, it it appeared that way anyway. He had a decent swing. I know he was an athlete in high school, um, and as a six foot five guy, uh, I think uh, he'd probably uh, be a little bit more of a leader in the clubhouse. You'd think if he was leading a country in a show, but um, uh, I, I still, I don't know if you could take Pedro Serrano from those
2: uh, Indians teams. There would be a lot less voodoo in the Indians clubhouse. There would be you'd lose uh you'd lose Harris getting drilled by that bat, which is really right. unfortunate because <laughs> that's a that's a great great bit of karma. Um the next the next guy who's an interesting interesting one to think about if you can plug in another another character for is Wesley Snipes, who is playing uh he's Willie Mays Hayes, he's the center fielder, but he is also Willie Mays Hayes is very—he's got—he's got a little bit of confidence and, and bravado that you you see later in Wesley Snipes' career, but he's also very like timid, skinny, and skittish. And there's a lot of fun Wesley Snipes options to to plug in. Do you have a favorite Wesley Snipes role that is not um, that is not Willie Mays Hayes? Because right after this, he pretty much bulks up. Uh, he does New Jack City. Uh, he just white man can't jump. He does That's U.S. Like. Marshals. That's a good
1: sports movie, actually.
2: U.S. Marshals, which is a cable <laughs> favorite of mine, um, and then of course there's Blade. Uh, do you have Do you have a favorite? Would you want to to plug in Sidney Dean from White Man Can't Jump into uh, into Major League? Uh, again, I think it's kind of interesting because you had that um, character of his.
1: Major League came out in '89, I believe, right? Yeah, '89. So he was sort of almost like foreshadowing for Kenny Lofton. Uh, it, it was the same type of ball player, you know, your stereotypical lead off guy who's going to steal bags for you. And then he eventually evolves into this dude who's going to get on base. Um, and, uh, sort of a foreshadowed for, for Kenny Lofton. But I think you plug in Sidney Dean, which is a movie I really didn't, another one I really didn't consider, but it, it is, that's definitely a sports movie. Um, you're probably gonna have a little bit of hustling going on in the
2: um in the clubhouses. <laughs> he would he, Sidney Dean is definitely more willing to clown on his teammates or whoever he's playing with. He Willie Mays Hayes would have taken a little more charge in the clubhouse, without a doubt, as Sidney Dean. He would have been um he would have been the shit talker, without a doubt.
1: And uh I, I agree with you that he did play sort of that timid character, but I, I could see, you know, Sidney Dean mixing it up with um Wild Thing Rick Vaughn in that movie.
2: Absolutely. Okay. Well, speaking of Wild Thing, Rick Vaughn, there is a a fun combo of characters that I think you can insert for both Charlie Sheen, who plays Wild Thing, Rick Vaughn, and Tom Berenger, who plays Jake Taylor. Uh, four years before, or three years before Major League came out, they both starred in Platoon. With Berenger as the sadistic Sergeant Barnes, and uh, Sheen as as Chris Taylor, who is a at at first a very Timid private in the U.S. Army, the Vietnam movie, very tough watch. Vietnam movie uh, that would be an interesting dynamic because Jake Taylor is the unquestioned good guy leader of this team, and uh, Sergeant Barnes is guilty of war crimes, uh, especially against against Sheen's character, especially against Taylor. So that would be that would be a very interesting interesting combo. The Sergeant Barnes is the only the only wild card character I could pull from, from Berenger that would be, you know, th- that would be worth talking about. He kind of plays the same guy in his entire career, except for, uh, except for Jake Taylor. Cause he's always like, uh, a sniper, he, you know, he's in sniper, he's playing a cop or he's playing like a stiff Senator or something like that. He's just really always the same guy.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm not too familiar with his, uh, all of the movies that he's in. And to be honest with you, if I, if I, w- if I went through and picked through, it would probably be like, yeah, I've seen a ton. Because I do enjoy uh, war movies. I, I like war history. Um, I don't particularly like war. <laughs> but uh, uh, as somebody who, I was in the Marine Corps myself for five years, and I definitely like those types of movies. I think if you put his character from Platoon, in that you're just completely shaking up the clubhouse especially with losing a guy like um uh Jake Harris that uh was that leader on the team
2: absolutely i mean if you look at if you look at uh Behringer's imdb like there like all these characters there's like lieutenant general james longstreet in gettysburg uh he's an attorney he's a doctor he's uh a special forces sniper. It's just uh, a Senator, a Sergeant, a de- like a detective. It's just, it's all the, he's just, he's just rolling the all American roles. Um, with Sheen, if you get away from Chris Taylor and platoon, he's really Rick Vaughn is kind of just an extension of his character from Ferris Bueller that cameo, the, uh the guy who is right, on drugs yes. that, yep. um that Ferris's sister, the genie meets in the, in the police station. It's basically kind of like that, if that guy then left the police station, stole a car, uh, went and pitched in the California penal league and found out he threw a hundred.
1: Right. That's, um, I definitely the same character. And if you replace it, I, I I actually never considered that. And that's really funny, um, that there possibly could be sort of a tie there. I, I don't know. I guess you'd have to look into the writers and who was involved in everything, but, um, I think if you're replacing replacing Sheen with the same character there, you're getting the same thing. But the thing I think that's most interesting about Charlie Sheen is he's actually a decent ball player. Um, I'm not sure uh, he, he is playing much anymore because I think he's pushing like 60 years old Uh But um, and he, you know, he's of course always having the drug problems and everything. But I remember reading in Lenny Dykstra's book, he was hanging out with Charlie Sheen, and Sheen had batting cages in his um, in his house, and he said, "Hey, Lenny, I was wondering if you mind uh, come checking out my swing." And Dykstra kind of approached it with this whole thing, like, "Oh yeah, sure, man." And his thought was like, "Oh, here's another." loser who wants me to see and and make him into a major league ball player or something. But, uh, Dijkstra was surprised and he was like, Charles Sheen could absolutely rake. And, uh, I know for major league, uh, I believe he was on steroids beforehand and he got his fastball up to, I think 84, 85 miles per hour. 86. He probably, and 86. he indeed
2: was on steroids and he looked good. He has a, he had a legitimate good delivery, especially when you consider 89, like what, what's what, deliveries look like in 89 versus what they look like now and th- consider the fact that 86 is what some of those guys were throwing at that oh point. yeah absolutely yeah I mean I actually hadn't even pondered that like he was throwing 86 in an era like I watched I mean we as fans watched Jared Weaver get by with 86 recently
1: yeah um, I don't think he uh, would be doing much pitching today and had you Took in 1989 Charlie Sheen and put him into the big leagues. Maybe he could have got some guys out, but he would have had to uh, shed the wild thing Rick Vaughn uh, reputation that he had because 86 was not that, I don't know, 100-mile-per-hour fastball that they had him throwing. He would have to uh, kind of fine-tune his um, his approach and uh, become one of those corner painters. Maybe get a Greg Maddox-like strike zone or something.
2: Uh, yeah, if you would, if you had thrown Wild Thing Rick Vaughn into present day baseball, he'd be wondering where the coffee pot with greenies was. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's take a quick ad break, and then I think it is time to get into our uh, Ryan Spader hates baseball movies rapid fire. Let's do it. Big Screen Sports is brought to you by Deal Dash. Have you ever heard of Dealdash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you never expect at a price you never believe. You you need this in 2020. You need it, you need a win, honestly, we all need a win. Uh, they have over a thousand auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Uh, Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0, only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone has 10 seconds to answer the item is yours. This is a chance to get something, scoop something at a massive discount. If you go ahead and sign up now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code BIGSCREEN or deal-dot-f-m-slash-big-screen. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H-dot-F-M-slash-big-screen. Big Screen Sports is also brought to you by our old friends at betonline.ag. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. For me, guys, that means the Minnesota Twins, who on the day of recording this kicked absolute ass against the White Sox today. It was great. I wish I had bet on it with betonline.ag, but I did not get my play in in time. But uh, no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partner, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and prop bets to bet on available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory, uh famous for playing for the Spurs. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they are calling Fandemic. Visit BetOnline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. And remember to use promo code BlueWire to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BlueWire. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, we're back. Uh, Ryan' original premise of this episode was that you think baseball movies suck. We're gonna rapid fire through a list. Uh, see see what you like. See what you don't. I'm gonna try to play devil's advocate you know or at least uh at least support a conclusion if if i agree with it let's start with a movie we were just discussing in in length major league what is your opinion of major league and if if it's fresh in your fresh enough in your memory major league 2
1: um i did like the major league movies however there were parts in the movies that were just completely unnecessary i, I could have done without the whole story, background story of jake taylor and um, Corbin Benson, what was his name? He was playing in. The, oh, Roger uh, Dorn. Roger Dorn, and I—I I don't know. I think some of those background stories and wilding Rick Vaughn sleeping with the Dorn's wife and all that stuff. It just—it was just not. I—I—I I, I would say this is good in terms of a baseball movie, but in terms of a
2: movie overall, I, I'd probably give it like a, a four or five. See, with Major League, one of the things I really like about it is the action looks good. Um, the player, like, Haysburg can swing, Sheen can throw. Uh, they do some a lot of good extra work with Jake Taylor, with Barringer's character. Um, Snipes is the one, they had to slow-mo it down to make him look fast, but he looks terrible swinging a bat. Wesley Snipes is notoriously not a very good athlete. That was kind of the story out of... Um, White man can't jump. My biggest problem with Major League Two, and I won't dive into it too much here because there's an episode on this, I think, three months ago, two three months ago. I don't know. Time has kind of stood still lately. uh, Where I talked to my buddy Darren Vaught about Major League Two and Wesley Snipes and versus Omar Epps and kind of the faults with that one. But the fault was that with that was that they tried to just run the same playbook and run it a year later, even though they made the movie five or six years later. Um, that, that's a big fault there. The next one I want to talk about is um, is an all-time classic. I want you to tread lightly when you talk about this one. Let's talk about Bull Durham. I did like Bull Durham. Okay, good. Uh, I, I <laughs> think, I, yeah,
1: that, that's very good for a baseball movie. I would say even good for a movie yeah, in general. It's, um, I think it's, it's kind of done the right way, especially— I think one of the things that adds to this uh, Bull Durham is the fact that when you're looking at a minor league team like this, is so much more believable than uh, having people ball players play in what's supposed to be a major league ballpark, and and you don't have that real atmosphere. Whereas you can pull that off with a double uh, A team.
2: Yeah, it's to me Bull Durham is perfect, um, and it's it's aged so perfectly too. It did it basically jump started the 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 next wave of minor league baseball. Bull Durham did a ton for the actual business of minor league baseball, which like, regardless of what you think of the movie, that's great. I love minor league baseball. Um, But Kevin Costner is pretty much like the, the Jesus of this podcast. Bull Durham, I feel like is going to be just my last episode ever. I'm just so afraid to touch it. It's, it's absolutely my favorite, just my favorite baseball movie. One of my favorite movies in general. The next one that I want to talk about is a, a controversial one when you think of the historical accuracy of it, what is your take on Moneyball? so
1: I was kind of excited for Moneyball going into it, and it let me down um, I, I, it just it just it, exactly what you're saying in terms of the accuracies, what was going on in the field, what they were evaluating. it just didn't really land with me and uh, because I went into it with some sort of expectation i just i didn't really think it was a very good movie I do however think it's pretty funny that um, the, I can't remember what his name with the uh, Oakland Athletics Organization was, but he didn't want himself portrayed by Jonah, uh, Jonah Hill. Uh, I think it was J.P. Riccardi, was it? I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's pretty funny. And then from that, I, I guess the idea is that that Jonah Hill character was a, a conglomeration of several different people, which is just stupid.
2: Yeah, they they also just left out a ton of a ton about the Oakland A's that that 2002 team. There's no mention of Miguel Tejada, Jermaine Dye, there's only right. a fleeting mention of Tim Hudson, nothing about Berrizedo or Mark Mulder. Um, I could have absolutely done without uh, the the Billy Beans family storyline like his daughter and his ex-wife like the the random, you know, you're using some of your random casting power to get Robin Wright in on this movie is kind of a, a weird move. Um, next movie up, a a childhood classic, The Sandlot.
1: Uh, so The Sandlot's good for nostalgia. I liked it as a kid, but, and e- even if you would have asked me this probably a couple of years ago, I would still have said that I really liked that movie. But somebody um because there's so little sports to talk about, you get a lot of sports talk radio, which I listen to quite a bit of, uh, and the, doing different bits. And one of their bits was on movies, and they had talked about movies that you enjoyed as a child, you may still enjoy now, but when you look at it objectively, was it actually a good movie? And I did that with The Sandlot, and I was like, you know, I don't think it actually is that good of a movie. I mean, it's it's fun for kids. It's good for what it uh, what it was and what it is. And I think young kids enjoy it. But uh, as an adult looking at it objectively, all it gives for me is nostalgia.
2: Yeah, it is definitely, it's got a lot of nostalgia in its favor. I think most, you know, a lot of people who treasure The Sandlot did experience it as kids. I think there's a movie that's later on the list that benefits from that more Some a movie that I think is just objectively awful but people like especially people in their their late 20s and 30s hold it in such high regard because it came out when they were a kid uh but the the Sandlot I I did an episode on it about a year ago now and for me it's it still holds up um I think it is I, I think the nostalgia is is why it holds up It it hits all those notes of being a kid it's not as much like the baseball movie aspect of it, although the the July Fourth scene is great. But it's the nostalgia of being a kid and and bonding with your friends. I think that's why it's a very good bonding with your friends movie. I think that like the neighborhood, you know, and it, it kind of like a lost time movie too. I definitely uh, agree
1: that the Fourth uh, of July scene is fantastic when they all uh, pack pack lips, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but uh, for me, it's. I, I don't know. I think it's kind of just been ruined for me because I realize that all all it really brings to me is nostalgia. Maybe that'll change if I have uh, some kids one day and I, I watch it with them. Maybe that'll change my opinion on it again. But uh I would just overall
2: I would say it's probably not a very good movie. See, I got to I, I've watched it with my six year old and he doesn't he didn't really get a whole lot of what was going on. Um the whole uh you know throwing up at the carnival because of uh of using chewing tobacco definitely flew right over his head thankfully but um you know I it's uh it's something that yeah when you when you experience it with your kids it'll be something that I think I think hits home the next one I have up is also a, like a movie about kids or father and son it is Field of Dreams so I don't think I've seen Field of Dreams in 10 years and it's
1: I, I would say it's okay for a baseball movie, I suppose. Uh, again, not a very good movie, as it as it is for itself. That's a
2: very hot take. Although I will say there there are two. I think there are two camps with Field of Dreams. I think it is either it's not a good, not a very good movie, or it is fantastic. There is not a lot of in the middle with Field of Dreams.
1: So the uh, the idea is, and this is Costner again, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um the whole idea of him chasing a ghost around and it tying into real life somehow just it just kind of uh weirds me out a little bit. It's it's just un- unrealistic
2: to me as it seems and uh I I just don't really like the movie that much. <laughs> That's fair. The reason that field of dreams gets me is because and, and it's heavy handed with this. You have to you have to kind of accept that they are going to beat you over the head with the baseball is is pure in its own way, and baseball is beautiful and our national pastime, and what baseball can mean to people, and that really resonates with me. It can definitely come off as cheesy, uh, but if you get if you can get past it. Um, I I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the field of dream. I love field of dreams camp. Um, another Costner movie next up. Um, and it's unfortunately timely. We're we're recording this a couple weeks before, uh, it actually drops. It's for love of the game. Uh, we're actually recording this today that, that Kelly Preston, who is the love interest of Kevin Costner passed away. But what is your, uh, what is your for love of the game take?
1: I actually thought that movie was pretty good, and not just for a baseball movie, but overall. Um, I mean, you said Kevin Costner is like the god of this uh, podcast. I, I think he's a pretty good actor overall, and then I know he's great really, athlete too. Yeah, really, yes, really in with baseball. I think something else that really helped this movie out was um, having Vince in it.
2: Absolutely.
1: One, one thing about this movie, though, that if I go back and watch it now. It just, like, seeing John C. Riley as a semi-serious character, it'll, it like, there's another, I think, perfect storm he's in. It just is, it's really difficult for me to see that face and think of Dale from the Step Brothers and take it seriously.
2: Well, it's so funny, because he was, <laughs> like, he's in Days of Thunder. I think Days of Thunder is the earliest movie I've seen him. It was the first time I saw him, but, because I didn't see Days of Thunder until I was an adult, but... um In the 90s, yeah, he's got Days of Thunder and he's got this and Perfect Storm, like you said, and Gangs of New York and Boogie Nights. And he I mean, he is a he is a valuable character actor. He's in like recently he was in the Sisters Brothers opposite Joaquin Phoenix and completely holds his own like he he is he's legitimately fan like a a very good actor but then he's also like the guy who got mad because Will Ferrell was putting his nuts on his drum set. It's just completely, and like, he's yeah. also Cal Naughton Jr. <laughs> I mean, right. he's just very versatile. But like after undertaking those insane comedic roles, it is like when you go back and see him in For Love of the Game, it's like, oh, holy shit, that's, that's Cal Naughton Jr. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. And um, uh, maybe
1: that's my inability to separate uh, the characters that he's played in the uh, I guess the future of his career versus the past, uh, but for me, I, I think it's it's like I don't know. You, there you have all those shows or movies where somebody's in it. Like for me, an actor who Kiefer Sutherland, um, I see him in anything, and I'm just like Jack. It's Jack Bauer. I can't see him as anything else.
2: Yeah, there he is definitely. Uh... John C Riley has definitely kind of reached that point just because of the heights of those those comedic movies part of that feral run was so strong the next movie uh, is one that I have to ask you also it's uh it's little big league and have you seen it since you since adulthood
1: not in a long time um, and that that's one of them that it's just to me it's so unrealistic
2: and ridiculous I just I can't get with it. So that's one that it is, it's going to, I bet, I would bet like my pinky finger that it's coming on MLB Network in the next two weeks because they have been showing the shit out of it. And that is one that I would encourage you to take the time, watch it as an adult and say, okay, there's going to be a 12 year old manager. Uh, his, he, he and his mom are not going to live in a house that is becoming of a young billionaire. And other than that, you just like accept that and say, okay, this is unrealistic. This would never happen. That is strange. And then you kind of take the rest of the movie in stride, and it holds up really well. They got a ton of athletes. Uh, like they have ex, you know, they have uh, actual current big leaguers mm-hmm. playing for both for the twins, and then they get big name guys, like obviously Griffey and Carlos Baerga. They get ex big leaguers, like first round picks, A guys who are on the team. Um, They have the Runaround Sue montage, which makes its way on baseball Twitter every now and then. It's just the best baseball montage ever. Um, I think Little Big League has held up far better than another movie that is coming down on this list that listeners of this podcast will know that I absolutely hate. But I am a Little Big League stan. It is also because I am a massive Minnesota Twins fan and I wanted to be Billy Haywood when I grew up. Um, The next movie, A League of Their Own, America's dad Tom Hanks what's your take oh I love Tom Hanks didn't really care for a league of their own and Ooh, that's a hot
1: one yeah it's it just didn't it, again it's another one that I probably haven't seen in uh in a long time um I understand the concept of it and the, the fact that you know this is something that did happen there are some good characters um, it kind of weirds me out that Rosie O'Donnell played a baseball player.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, um, that's back when she was like at her peak, like that and I think like uh, shortly after that there's the the Rosie O'Donnell show comes around and then right. and then things kind of go a little more a little more south for her as far as public perception. Um
1: but it's just it's not a movie that I would have any interest in ever seeing again. I would say probably falls into the category of Good for a baseball
2: movie, not good for a movie overall. That's one I would encourage you to give another shot, especially Tom Hanks. It is you're um, asking
1: a lot of me here. <laughs> I'm, I know.
2: I'm telling you, that's that's one I would I would put on your list. I would give it another shot. I would really sit down, give it your full attention. Um, want to shout out Anika Orok, who did the uh, the incredible il- the illustrated book um it is the i think it's the incredible women of the all-american girls professional baseball league or some some name similar she is in um she she was on a past episode of this her book is fantastic the the history of that league is really interesting um i, I am a a big a league of their own fan next up the natural robert redford handsome rob what is uh what's your your natural take
1: So I kind of like The Natural as, again, another one where I like it as a baseball movie, but then I separate it from baseball. I like the character. Um, I really uh, like the story of his career. I think I might even have one of those uh, Roy Hobbs cards. Um, But I kind of get lost with, like, I get that the whammer is supposed to be Babe Ruth. And uh, it's just so that person just seemed so unathletic to me. And I know that Babe Ruth had almost a 50-inch waist and everything, and he was a great pitcher and a, a hell of a hitter. It just, um, I don't know, this, the concept of this woman wanting to shoot the best baseball player, it, It's she's some sort of weird serial killer or something. It just, I don't know, it's just not really, I think they could have done a little bit better
2: than than that. So the natural has been doing the the MLB Network no more baseball run as well kind of like it's been that it's been the natural little big league uh, major league major league two another movie that we're gonna discuss in a bit and the natural is a lot slower than I remembered I haven't I haven't covered it on the pod yet I haven't given it the full start to finish rewatch in years honestly um, it gets. I, I do mention it a lot. That when Roy Hobbs knocks out the lights at the end, that is always my example for the big chill moment, which is you know, a mm-hmm. category in a normal episode of the pod, the moment that gives you the chills. And that does. It's still, you know, if if it, I turn it on TV and it's like 15 minutes from that scene, I'm probably going to park my ass on the couch and watch it. But it's it definitely lacks. Um, it, there is... And I, I'll, I'll try to save most of my takes for when I, when I finally give it the full rewatch again. But I feel like there's a lot of fat to be trimmed off that one. Yeah, um, I agree completely. Yeah. Okay. The next movie up, and this is, this is the one that I didn't want to mention yet that has been doing the MOB Network run. It is uh, my arch enemy. It, it doesn't know it, but I know it. It's Trouble with the Curve. I don't know how you can possibly have Clint Eastwood
1: in a movie, and I believe he m- produced it, maybe even paid for it and have a bad movie <laughs> cuz i didn't i'm with you not a, not a good movie overall Justin Timberlake is a, i think he was a baseball player
2: right i, I don't even remember he's an ex baseball player tr- current scout trying to be a broadcaster and like yeah i thought yeah. Justin Timberlake was was really entertaining in the social network and then he goes and does this uh, he was also really good, I think, in Alpha Dog, but that was more of... a Oh role yeah, I, lo-
1: for I love him. Alpha Dog. That was like uh,
2: teenage me was all about Alpha Dog.
1: Yeah, uh, but no, I'm I'm with you. We, we we agree both a bad baseball movie and a bad movie overall.
2: I mean, by the end of by the end of this, like by the end of everyone in this movie's career, it will feature. I am assuming two Oscar winners because Clint Eastwood has won an Oscar. I will, ass- I assume Amy Adams will get her due at some point. Um, Timberlake is one of the biggest stars of all time. John Goodman, who's fantastic, and this movie—I mean, longtime listener to this pod—don't want to hear me rail on this anymore. But it sucks. It's one of the worst baseball movies ever. It didn't have a baseball consultant. The action looks terrible. The plot points make no sense. It really tries to insult. The new wave front office guys, uh, mm-hmm. like stats guys, and it's so bad at it. Um, it is, it's just like a baby boomer baseball wet dream that is just terrible, and we're not going to talk about it anymore. We're going to move on to Mr. Baseball. Tom Selleck, Mr. Mustache. Ryan, what's your take? I think that was pretty good. I,
1: I liked um, Mr. Baseball. The concept of it is pretty fresh in terms of a, um, you know, an American uh, ball player. Going over to Japan to play baseball, uh, which happens more than people realize, I think. There's a lot of um, former big leaguers or guys who were, you know, never made it out of the minors going into the um, uh, Japanese Pro League. And when you look throughout history, um, there's a lot of players who uh, went there with the same goal to get back and play. Um, with a big league organization and did
2: so successfully so i I, overall i I would say that's a pretty good movie i also really buy tom sellick as an aging first baseman i think he's i think he's very good in that role japanese baseball culture is very interesting i don't know if you caught the documentary that aired on espn recently um koshian about the the tournament there, I'm going to try to have an episode on it no, at some point. But um, Japanese baseball culture is very interesting. It was a very fresh movie. Um, I mean, for the you know time it was made before I was born, but just when you dropped. think about it in the the genre of baseball movies, you, you look at baseball movies of the past 40 years. It's still very unique to most everything else that's out there. All right, next up is a a personal favorite of mine. It is one that really only features one baseball scene. It is in some ways kind of a stretch to call it a baseball movie, but for me, it's such a good movie. I I wanted to leave it on. I feel like everyone needs to watch it. Everybody Wants Some. Ryan, did you catch Everybody Wants Some? So I, I looked at this list, and I don't know how I
1: overlooked this or thought it was something else. I'm looking at the movie now, and I don't think it's one I've ever seen. However, looking at this soundtrack, it's a
2: pretty damn good soundtrack, so I may have to give this a shot. Good, so I just get I get to pitch it to you. This is great. This is exactly what I needed. Okay, so everybody wants some. And for, for Ryan or any listener who are unfamiliar, I've talked this one up quite a few times. It's the the spiritual sequel to Dazed and Confused. It is a movie in the kind of the same vein. Set instead of Dazed and Confused, is set over one day. This one is set over one weekend. It is a a college baseball player, a freshman's first weekend at school, and like when he when he first gets to college. And while there's only one baseball scene, it, in my mind, inherently, like it gets the best, it does the best job of examining the chemistry between a baseball team. There's only, it's a shame, there's really only two legitimate college baseball movies I can think of. One is this, one is Summer Catch. Summer Catch stinks. Uh, This one captures the essence of a college baseball team so well it features really good performances it also features a lot of really good athletes they they only did one baseball scene but they got guys who look like players they have um one of houston street's younger brothers who played at texas they have tyler hockland who started on uh, for uc irvine is now a, a legitimate actor he's um he was actually just in palm springs the new andy sandberg movie on hulu um, they get Glenn Powell, who is just a fucking stud in every sense of the term. Uh, it is a it is a fantastic movie, fantastic soundtrack, fantastic look at the 80s. Um, I am all in on Everybody Wants Some. Everybody needs to go see Everybody Wants Some. But let's move on then to our next movie, the other college baseball movie I mentioned, Summer Catch. Ryan, what are your thoughts on Summer Catch?
1: Yeah, it's a big no. It's going to be a big no for me. Hell yeah. Look. Hell Yeah. <laughs> There's not a not whole a lot to say of on Prince, that one, to be honest. Yeah,
2: it's um, it's rough. It's it's a it's a bad rom com. Exactly. Yeah, that's.
1: You see, I mean, you summed it up great. It's exactly what I hate in baseball movies. It's not a. It shouldn't be a baseball movie.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Let's get into Mr. Three Thousand, one that gets kind of forgotten. R.I.P. Bernie Mac. What are what what's your take for Mr. Three Thousand? So,
1: I like Bernie Mac a lot. Stand-up comedian, one of my favorites. I kind of can get behind the storyline. However, the idea that somebody is not a Hall of Famer because they have 2,997 hits versus 3,000, and um, also the idea that because he was a a guy was kind of, I guess the ball player was a dick during his career uh, for 20 years, and then he comes back and plays... I don't know sixty games or something, and picks up a couple of uh, hits where he. I don't. I don't think you can redeem yourself uh, for that. Um, I, I guess what would be bad character of twenty years that he was portrayed as. Uh, the concept of somebody returning to baseball to accomplish a feat. I. I do like that, but um, it just. I don't know. It overall doesn't really do it for me and then again you got that love story in there that's it's it's just i i would say decent i guess for a baseball movie but bad for a movie overall
2: can i sell you on a real life mr 3000 that i would like to happen okay let's get it do you know how many career home runs that fred mcgriff ended up with 493 493 can we get someone Who's in last place to pay Fred McGriff to DH and get those seven home runs? That would be awesome. And, I, I would uh, I would love to see he could I mean, he could be just like there's no way he could be worse than Chris Davis. I, I don't think it's possible. Um, I, I don't know how McGriff
1: has uh, held himself together over the years. I haven't seen him in the public eye at all, but he's somebody who I absolutely have vouched for as a Hall of famer. I don't think. Like people say, you know, the three thousand hits, the three hundred wins, the three thousand strikeouts, the five hundred homers. It it, to me, it's not any less of an arbitrary number than four hundred ninety three. People just like aesthetically pleasing numbers in these round Hall of Fame clubs. And McGriff is another case where what built the case for Harold Baines is the fact that he played through the 81 strike, the 94 and 95 strikes. He missed games for that, and for those reasons, he missed out on some milestones such as 3,000 hits and 500 doubles and 300 home runs or 400 home runs. I can't remember which one he uh, got close to. And McGriff is definitely a case where he um, missed those games in 94 and 95 that absolutely cost him seven home runs that would have seen him get in as – a first or second ballot Hall of Famer at a time when that's all you needed was that 500 homers.
2: It's astounding to think that he's seven home runs away from waltzing in. It just it, the the con, and I know you've done a lot of work on the Hall of Fame. It's just the concept of that, and like for me, one that that like that that hits hits home for me as a big Minnesota Twins fan is Johan Santana lost out on a Cy Young to Bartolo Cologne back when wins were still valued highly. Um Bartolo led the American League at wins. Santana just just was absolutely the better pitcher. I think he led I think he led American League pitchers in war that year. Uh, I think he led the AL in strike. Right? He he was a better put in a better season than Bartolo Cologne. He wins that Cy Young. It gives him 3. There is not a pitcher aside from Roger Clemens who is not in the Hall of Fame with three Cy Youngs. And it's just astounding that those kind of arbitrary things are the difference between walking in first or second ballot and Johan Santana didn't make it past one year on the ballot. Fred McGriff was dropped off the ballot in his, you know, his final
1: year of voting. I, I agree with you completely on Johan, and I, I know I'm taking you off topic a little bit now, here, but as a Johan Santana, <laughs> Santana fan, I, I want to throw something uh, for you to look at, and I do think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, take a look at Sandy Koufax from 1961 to 66 and Santana from 03 to 08. Both have the exact same ERA plus during their um, their peaks, if you will, and um, both have the exact same strikeouts per nine. There's obviously a lot more to look at there, but that's a really fun side-by-side where I think that you absolutely have to consider Johan Santana as a Major League Baseball Hall of Famer.
2: Well, if you even expand that, Santana's 10-year regular season peak and Koufax's 10-year regular season peak are, you take their their 10 best years, stack up very similarly. Obviously, Koufax went and dominated in the World Series. It is not Johan Santana's fault that he was not able to reach the World Series. Um, Koufax, obviously, the circumstances were different for you know when Koufax got started, but they both, you know their their careers ended shortly. Koufax because of I think arthritis in his elbow. Um, Santana's arm just died. That uh, I think it was shoulder or something. But yeah, it's very frustrating to me. So all that circling all the way back around to what we were talking about. I would love to see someone pay Fred McGriff to DH and get those seven home runs. And that would I believe I don't know the rules of the Hall of Fame for sure, but I I feel like that would start his clock back over again.
1: Yep, absolutely. Uh, Jose Rijo's a. a, a example who came back 5 years after he he appeared two separate
2: times on the ballot. Incredible stuff. Um okay. Let's roll into our our next movie. Um wrapping up with the, we we got a few left. This one is one I I referred to not by name earlier. Rookie of the Year. When's the last time you saw Rookie of the Year? So hold on, is this the one
1: with the kid pitching in the big league? That is or that the, is
2: the one. Okay.
1: Um I didn't, I didn't like it. Uh, I think I liked it as a kid. Um, I, I can't remember what year came it through. Uh, but I... It, it's just a really cheesy concept. Again, it's so difficult for me to believe this. And I understand, yeah, he falls and breaks his arm or something. But then I just... Uh, it was so cheesy at the end with, like... The mom had hidden the fact that she... Is the reason that he has baseball skills and... Then he throws an underhand softball floater, and
2: it just, I don't know, just doesn't, doesn't really do it for me at all. It's legitimately terrible. It's unwatchable as an adult, something I had a lot of nostalgia for as a kid. I will never watch it again after covering it on this podcast. I can say that firmly. Uh, it gets compared to Little Big League a lot. Little Big League is the far superior movie. If anyone doesn't agree with that, come fight me. I'll drop a pin. Next one. You mentioned it earlier. I don't think there's much much more to go on this. Fever Pitch. Not,
1: not a great movie. No, not at all. It's the first one, I think, that I defaulted to as an example as to why I generally don't like baseball
2: movies. So let's go to a better movie, Sugar, 2008 Sugar, very underseen, lower budget film. What is your thought? What are your thoughts on Sugar? So this was one uh, that
1: when I looked at the list, I thought I hadn't seen, but then I looked into and realized I had. And I think this is both a good baseball movie and a good movie overall. Uh, definitely enjoyed it. It um, is very believable to me that this is something that somebody would go through as a um, you know young ball player coming from a different country. Uh, I believe came from a different country. it's very much an
2: it's as much an immigrant story as it is a baseball movie. It's very good. Yeah, I um I definitely like mm-hmm, this movie. Very even more relevant to today's game because in the movie, just kind of how they have it structured. He goes straight from the complex league to full season ball, which isn't isn't too common with a guy coming over from the Dominican Republic. And that's basically the future for minor league baseball in that they are eliminating short season, eliminating that kind of soft landing spot. Um, so it's basically complex leagues or you know, full season ball in the Midwest League. They filmed the movie in Quad City, so it's it's actually aged even better. We're down to our last two that I want to ask you about. First one is the Bad News Bears, the original Bad News Bears. I don't acknowledge the Billy Bob Thornton one, even though I, I do like Billy Bob Thornton. Bad News Bears, how does that hit for you? Uh, I think this
1: is a pretty good baseball movie uh, as a movie overall, maybe middle of the pack there. Um, I, I, I think the fact that you're doing the 1976 version versus the Billy Bob Thornton, because I'm same school of thought, the remake is terrible, and it kind of made me appreciate the original less. Um, but, uh, I, I, this is a movie that is, I mean, it's good, but it's one that like, I feel like I'd have to watch in my house with the blinds closed because somebody's going to call me, you know, a nasty name, because of all the stuff that they say in this movie. And and, and uh, it's just, you know, not politically correct by today's standards. And some of people's favorite things to do now is to go back in history and try to remove history and uh, cancel things that happened at a time when they were
2: considered more acceptable. Uh, I would say good movie, though. I think it's a good movie. I think it still holds up. I actually did my Rewatch and prep for an episode on this one, you know, pulling back the curtain, my guest bailed on me. Um, so I haven't recorded it yet, but it, um, yeah, there, you know, the seventies were wild times. There's a lot in uh, this movie would be wholly different if you, if you made it in, uh, in 2020. Finally, I want to finish up with the rookie. I'm not exactly sure why this was the last one on my list. It's not like, I don't think it's huge one way or another. What is your, your your thoughts on The Rookie, the the Dennis Quaid Disney baseball movie? So, I really like the uh, Jimmy Moore story. Had him um, on the podcast but, a few weeks ago, or a few,
1: I guess, like two months ago now. That's pretty cool. Um, I, I did really like the Jimmy Moore story. I like the fact that he um, had a cameo in his own movie, uh, but uh, I just... I don't think they did right by the story, personally. Um, I don't think that this should have been a Disney movie. It would have been a lot more interesting to me if somebody else uh, produced it. But um, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say it's a bad movie, because the story is absolutely fascinating. And uh, I think there's something to be said about the story from which it's written. Uh, but it's, it's not something that I'm particularly interested in watching
2: the Again. scene where he first gets called in at the ballpark in Arlington always gives me the chills. You are right. It is, um, it is definitely a decision to make it a Disney movie that is, um, you know, and that, and that's what Morris wanted, wanted it to be. I mean, they, they signed the deal with Disney as the studio. Disney makes a very particular kind of sports movie. They're not going to, they're not going to dive in as deep on the, uh, on the nitty gritty. And I feel like there was a lot there, but, you know it's it's good for what it is, um, and with that though, I think um, I think we've run through a pretty decent amount of baseball movies. We've been we've been doing this for about an hour. You were not as much of a hater as I thought you would be. You 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 relented on a lot of movies. I don't know if that's pressure for me, but um, you know I I put some stuff on your watch list though. You've got uh, you've got to give Little Big League and A League of Their Own a try, and you've got to go check out Everybody Wants Some. Well,
1: I I'm gonna stand by my over the overarching theme that I try to say when I I think baseball movies in general is a you know, a very uh, broad generalization to make uh, and people hate generalizations nowadays. But I think um in general, baseball movies suck. And um since I, I guess since I, I disappointed you a little bit with uh, not being too over the top in my takes, I will give you um uh, an exclusive thing that I've never talked about on air oh, regarding yeah. uh, sports movies. And that is two movies ever that have made me cry. And they're both sports movies. Okay. Rudy is one. Okay, fair. When he gets into the game, I just lose my shit. <laughs> fair, fair. And this movie that I I don't think is very good, but there's a scene in it that just, I don't know, it hit kind of hits home for me. Uh, and that's Little Giants. Really, when the scene? Yes, the scene where he says, "I'm not even going to uh, get too far into it because even when I talk about it, it it, uh, it gets me choked up a little bit." Is the scene where um, Dan, the other, he's like, "It's um, what's the play?" And he's like, uh, they, "They say the play name," and the kids like, "What's that? I don't even know." And he said, "It's a pitch to Danny," and he's like, "Danny, I'm Danny." And then he get, um, he gets the pitch and he's freaking out and then he sees his father in the end zone and then oh I can't
2: even talk about it it gets me every single time <laughs> incredible incredible well we can't uh, we can't get into all the the, the sports movies that make me cry because we we'd be recording for a while but uh, Ryan <laughs> thanks so much for giving me your time tell the folks again where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find the walk off. Uh, Twitter is at the
1: Ace of Spader. My last name is S P A E D E R. A lot of people forget that um, first E. And um, pretty much all of my content is either going to be found on Twitter or my website by the same name, theaceofspader.com. And that's um, the walk off. Just, you know, we're a sister program of, of yours. We are with Blue Wire, and we, we, just like everything else, we pump it out on Twitter as often as possible.
2: And I appreciate you taking the time to come on this podcast. We're going to have to do this again in some in some form or fashion. It's just good to talk baseball. Good to talk McGriff and Johan Santana. I could do that forever. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode of Big Screen Sports, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, Rate, review. Uh, you guys know the drill. New episodes every Monday. Depending on when this one is dropped, we will either be preceding... My episode, my non-sports movie of the month, My Cousin Vinny, or My Cousin Vinny will be next week, so be on the lookout for that. Also, if you are a baseball fan, and if you're not a baseball fan, I don't understand how far, how long you, you know, how you made it this long in the podcast, but check out my interview series with Baseball America, From Phenom to the Farm, uh, talking to current and former professional baseball players about their journey through the minors. Next episode is dropping with Carter Caps, former big league reliever. Uh, check that out. That comes at you every other Tuesday. And until then, thanks for listening.